0: Happy Easter, guys. Happy Easter. It's an incredible day that we get to even talk about this, that we even get to worship a God like this, right? That we get to serve a king who conquered death, right? Who else gets to say that, right? That's us. That's us, the redeemed, right? Because we get to enter into that same promise, right? What Jesus did, we get to do as well. Right? We get to say, death has no sting for us, right? Because we know eternal life. We know that death is not the end. We know that it's just the beginning. And there is an age to come that is promised to those of us who are entered into that relationship with Jesus, who have said, Jesus, you are my king. I believe you are who you say you are, right? That's what we have. As followers of Jesus, it is an incredible, incredible promise. Well, this morning, I want to read um, quickly for us out of, uh, out of John. This is chapter 20, and we're going to be reading... Um, Yeah, sorry. We're going to be reading uh, the entire chapter of chapter 20, actually, this morning. So if you want to get your Bibles out and follow along with me, it's also going to be up on the screen here for us. And so feel free to read along with me. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Still, they did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the others told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. But the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So, one, I just want to point out, I love the humor of this passage. I don't know if you guys caught some of that. I love, like, you know, John is writing this, right, and he is the... disciple that Jesus loves, and so he refers to himself as that, and he had to just put that note in there that he beat Peter to the tomb first, right? (laughs) Did that really matter, right? But then we, of course, see the personality of Peter, and, like, John stops. He, like, peeks in and is like, I don't know what to do in there, and Peter just marches right in, and then John goes in after that, right? Like, we just see their personality so clearly in this, you know, and, you know, the interaction of Mary with Jesus, like, why are you crying? What are you looking for? Like, Sir, if you've carried this guy away, if you've carried my Lord away, you tell me where you put him and I'm going to go get him right now, right? And it's like, Jesus is like, Mary. (laughs) You know, like, ooh, you know, and then she she realizes in that moment, you know. And then I also just love the the image of the disciples in that room, right? They're terrified, thinking that the Jewish leaders are going to come after them, take them away and likely kill them, right? And Jesus just appears, right? And is like, peace be with you, you know, like that would have been, that would have freaked them out absolutely, it's almost like Jesus was like going like, ha, you know, like, you know, because peace be with you was like a normal greeting, it was our hello, you know, so it was like, he like just was like, hey, you know, like that's what he was doing in that moment, and I just love that idea that he just kind of like, poof, and freaked them out a little bit, you know, because they were already on edge, you know, but anyway, I just love that we can see a little bit of the humor in this, the personality of these people coming out, and the, and the humanity and the personality of Jesus even, right? Like, and, um, and so some things that I want to highlight today in specifics is that, that moment with Mary when she didn't know who Jesus was, she didn't recognize him in that moment, and she just assumed it was some gardener or something like that, until what? Until he said her name. It was when he said her name that instantly she knew It's you. It's you. The same Jesus who called me. The same Jesus who brought me in. Who I have heard him say my name countless times over these last three years that I have been with him. That's when she knew in that moment, Mary, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And you know, my main point that I want to talk about this morning is that I need you to understand this morning, church, that the risen Savior is calling your name. The risen Savior is calling your name. And the question has to be, how are you going to answer? The risen Savior is calling your name. How will you answer? You know, again, like... Mary only realized it, right, when she heard Jesus speak her name. This was Mary, right? Mary Magdalene, who was saved from being stoned, Mary, who was pulled from a life of prostitution, Mary, who was tormented by seven demons and set free from that torment by Jesus, right? This is that Mary, right? Jesus called her out of those things and called her into new life, new purpose, new community. Jesus believed in her when no one else did. He saved her from death in this life and the next. That's what Jesus has done for her. The resurrected Jesus changed everything for Mary. He resurrected hope and dreams of joy and good being possible in her life. Jesus changed everything for Mary. He called her name. That's how it started. That's how all of this started, by calling her name. That's how. I want you to know, again, Jesus is calling each and every one of you by name this morning. He is. I promise you. It's not just a nice thing to get to say or to try to tie into a sermon or something like that. I promise you, Jesus is calling your name, each and every single one of your names. He is calling out to you this morning. And I would challenge you in this moment to close your eyes for a moment and just simply acknowledge that he's doing that for you. Will you do that for me? Church, would you close your eyes and just simply acknowledge to this risen Savior that he is calling your name right now. Right now. Hmm. You know, we see this picture, this this dichotomy between Mary and we see uh, Thomas then. Right? And and Thomas, he had to put his hands into Jesus' wounds in order for him to actually believe that this is who this is who Jesus was saying he was, right? But Mary only needed to hear her name. You know, and as this passage states at the very end, I love this. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we have to ask ourselves, each and every single one of us today, what is it going to take for us to believe? I know that many of you have come here today. Maybe Maybe you're in church for the first time in a little while, and that's okay. I'm so glad that you're here Right, But but many of you are here today, and I know you're carrying burdens. You're carrying brokenness. You're carrying things in your life that you feel that you're stuck in, and you feel like there's no way out. I, I know that because I've been there. I know that. You're carrying addictions. You're carrying past hurts that you feel like you just have to sweep under the rug and try to move on with life. I know that many of you are doing that today. But I'm here to tell you right here, right now, that Jesus is calling your name to bring you out of those things. He's calling your name to bring you out of addiction. He's calling your name to bring you out of brokenness, of strife, of fear, of darkness in your life that you feel is all consuming and maybe that you just have to pretend isn't there. No, He is calling you out of those things and bringing you into something greater freedom healing deliverance salvation redemption he is calling you into those things that is who our jesus is we do not serve a jesus that simply comes alongside us beside us and hold our hand and say yeah life's tough huh I'm so sorry that this is your life, and man, I'll walk with you and we'll try to get through this together, right? That is not the only Jesus that we serve. Does he come alongside us? Yes. Is he our great comforter? Absolutely. But he is so much more, church. He is so much more. We don't have to settle for coping with our addictions. We don't have to settle for coping with past hurts and trauma. We don't have to settle for living in the darkness and just knowing that Jesus is with us in that darkness. Jesus died on the cross for the privilege to free us from that darkness, to lift that darkness off of us, to bring us into light, into good, into life, into a freedom that we cannot find in any place else in this world. And we try, don't we? We try to find it all in this world and other things. We seek happiness. We, we look to the, the social media, right, to tell us where happiness lies. I'm going to tell you right now, all of that is nonsense. Anything that the world tries to tell you is where you'll find happiness and good is absolute lies. It's only temporary. And I know a lot of you can relate to that. I know a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is fleeting. Anything that the world offers is fleeting. It's here one day, gone the next, sometimes gone in the same day. But this is not what Jesus offers. This isn't what he offers. He offers fullness, freedom, everlasting life. This is who he is. It's not a small thing, it is everything church. He overcame so that we could overcome. Do you hear me? He overcame so that we could overcome. He was resurrected so that so many things in our lives that we thought were dead and gone and we buried a long time ago He resurrected, so those things could be resurrected as well. Do you hear me, church? This is the Savior we serve. This is the Savior we serve, the Almighty, the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is our Jesus, our risen Savior. And I can read the whole of Scripture to you this morning but maybe you've heard the word of God many times already, but you still have doubts this morning. Okay, I understand that. And I could share with you, as I do many times and have many times, right, how Jesus saved me from addiction and self-hatred, from pain, anxiety, and depression. I can share how he gave me purpose and a new life that I couldn't find anywhere else in this world. I can share that all day long, and I am happy to share that all day long because that is my story That my incredible, beautiful, generous Savior has given me. That is the story that I have. But maybe you have doubts because I'm a pastor. Maybe you have doubts about what I I say because I have to say it. Right? Because this is what I do. Well, here at Village Church, we are storytellers. We exist to share our stories with Christ so that others can have a story with him. That is why we exist, to be storytellers. Psalm 107, verse 2 says that let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let those who have had things resurrected in their lives tell their story. Right? Jesus' resurrection means that he can and he will resurrect the seemingly broken, lost, and dead in anyone's life. No one is exempt from this promise. No one is exempt from this possibility. I need you to receive that today. You are not exempt. That gift is extended to each and every person, no matter where they find themselves. No matter what level of brokenness and sin and darkness you found yourself in, Jesus extends the same hand to all of us. That is an incredible promise. And this morning, I need you to hear how he has done this, not just from me, not just in scripture, what he's done for Mary or Thomas or or Peter or John or any of the other disciples. I want you to hear from people sitting right next to you. It's very important to me that you hear from real life people. There's a quote. I don't know who said it now. I've said a million names, I think. I don't even remember where it came from. Maybe you've heard it though, that there's five gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Christian. And most people will never read the first four. So we carry the gospel of Christ with us. We are witnesses to his resurrection power in our lives. And this morning, I want you to hear four people's resurrection stories in their lives. So I'm going to bring up Katie Kahn at this time, and she's going to share how Jesus has resurrected things in her life. Would you give her a round of applause? (laughs)
1: Guess who's back up here? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so when I was a kid, I had pretty simple goals for my life. I wanted to marry a good man. I didn't really want to be rich, but I wanted the bills to be paid, and I didn't want to have to stress over that happening. And then I wanted to be a mom. So the first few years after my daughter was born, she's six now, I started to experience these little spells of anxiety and what I thought could maybe be depression. But when I thought about the possibility of having depression, it didn't make any sense to me. I had everything that I wanted. I had a husband that loved me and that I loved in return. I had a beautiful son and daughter, the house, the car. I even got to be a stay-at-home mom. I was literally living the dream, but I wasn't really happy, and I didn't know why. I remember remember thinking, is this it, wife, mom, cleaner of the house? Is this all that there is for me? I was living out the only purpose I had ever dreamed of, but something was missing. Eventually, I started bringing my daughter to church because she wanted to know about the nativity scene and baby Jesus. I sat in service, pretending that everything was great. It wasn't long before I learned that I was missing peace. I had no experience with peace. I needed to learn everything that I could about Jesus. I knew of him but I didn't know him, and I needed help to make that transition. A pastor helped me meet Jesus, to talk with him. I cried so much, and handed over all the traumas from my past, and then ultimately, I received healing. I always thought that I, had, like, that I was over those traumas, That, you know, it was a long time ago. None of that stuff is even currently happening anymore. I'm over it. But the grudges and the bitterness, it was buried right below the surface. These wounds were quietly seeping infection into every area of my life and tainting everything. In that meeting, I was finally set free. Healed I still have scars, but they don't hurt anymore, and they don't poison anymore. I continued to learn everything I possibly could about the Trinity. After a few years, God revealed the calling that he has on my life, my true purpose. Life is so much better when you know your identity in Christ. And the, the, God, the plans that God has for your life are so much better than you ever could have imagined for yourself. Before Christ entered my life, I was broken and bleeding. Didn't even know it. I didn't know who I was or what my purpose was. And then I was introduced to Jesus. In a meeting, he helped me forgive and find healing. And now I'm a completely different person, a new person. I don't have anxiety anymore. I don't have seeping wounds. And I get the privilege to know the hearts, hopes, dreams, and worries of the youth. And I get to point them to the way, the truth, and the life. So being a wife and a mother was only the beginning of what God had planned for me. I don't know what the next chapters are going to look like. But I have peace in my heart and in my spirit that I wouldn't trade for anything. And that only comes from the Prince of Peace.
2: Amen.
0: Amen. Justin Davis. We're going to hear from Justin next. Come on up, sir. All right.
2: Good morning, everyone. My name is Justin. If I uh, have some tears up here, I just want you to know that they're tears of joy and excitement. (laughs) But I'm here to share with you what my life was like, what happened, and where I am today. My hope is that by sharing my experience, at least one person will take a leap of faith today and turn their life over to Jesus. Five years ago, I would have considered myself agnostic. I heard of the idea of Jesus, but I didn't understand why I needed him in my life. I grew up, I went to college, I got married, I had a beautiful family. According to some, you might say I had it all, but I always felt as if something was missing in my life. My internal struggles were real, and it would feel my head and my thinking daily. I was truly making a heavy going of life. I was having trouble with relationships. I couldn't control my emotions. I was depressed. I felt useless. I was unhappy, and I was full of fear. My drinking increased throughout the years and my behavior became reckless and antisocial. I was a tornado, damaging and even destroying anything in my path. I could see the hurt and humiliation my wife and children were experiencing. My family was being ripped apart, and I was the cause. Yet I found I could not keep sober. Alcohol became my master, and I was living a life of sin. This created a separation between me and everyone around me. Loneliness settled in. And I felt there was no way out. The, the idea of suicide even entered my thinking. I was beyond human aid. This is what I believed to be truth in my life five years ago. I'm here today to tell you that on June 12th, 2017, I accepted Jesus into my heart and life. I surrendered my life to Christ, which began my journey to freedom. Today, alcohol is no longer my master. I choose to serve a different master, and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus saved me from a spiritual death, and on numerous occasions, He saved me from a literal death. Through Christ, I was reborn. I'm going to say that again. Through Christ, I was reborn. Through Christ, my desire to drink was removed. Through Christ, my family was reunited. And through Christ today, I am happy, joyous, and free. Free from the bondage of self. If anyone out there is struggling with life, I'm here to let you know that no one has sunk too low to receive the blessings our Lord has to offer. I encourage you to begin your journey today and see yourself in Christ, my wife, My children, and all of you here today are blessings from our Lord. Today, Jesus is the answer to all of my problems. Without his aid, I am truly lost. That is the truth that I live today. (sighs) I thank you all for being here. I thank Jesus for my sobriety my beautiful family, and the power to help others through my story, even though sometimes it's fearful. So thank you. Happy Easter. And, um, thank you, Justin.
0: You know, Justin uh, does an amazing job leading our recovery group that meets here at the school Wednesday evenings. Um, if that is something that you relate to in Justin's story, like... I know what he just said, that is a plea for you to find the same peace, the same healing, the same freedom, right? That is what he's saying. And so we actually offer, through Justin, a program where you can find Christ-centered freedom from addiction. And so please take advantage of that if that's something that God is stirring in your heart. I'm going to call Jessica Brandt up next, and she's going to share a bit of her story. Good morning. Good
3: morning. I'm gonna skip all the childhood trauma and all of that ridiculousness. It's too long, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I have struggled with depression my entire adult life. Maybe even a little bit more when I was younger, but you know, nobody really paid a lot of attention to things like that back in the day. But whether or not you medicate or you know, try to go it alone like me it's a really hard struggle constantly. Um, After my second son, I hit postpartum hard, like a brick wall. And I I never really stood a chance against that one. And I fell into this dark place that I never really thought I could dig myself back out of. It took a hold of my life in ways that I, I didn't even realize it. It had my marriage in its grasp, my children, my finances, my business, was all under constant fire all the time. And if it wasn't one, it was the other. I found Christ slowly because even though I'm a depressed person, I am also still incredibly prideful and my pride wouldn't allow me to fully surrender. I had to leave Red Rock for a time because we were only renting out here and that hit me emotionally really hard. Before I left, I did a sozo prayer, and if you've never done one, or if you've considered doing one, you should do it. It's amazing and very freeing. I did my first sozo, and I dumped about 29 years' worth of sadness, resentment, hostility. And I knew that if I didn't do that before I left, that I was not gonna survive the trials that were coming, and I knew it was just gonna get worse. The 2020 hit. I don't think we really need to get into the details and the stress that that put on everybody's life. Luckily for me, me and my husband, we were in a great place emotionally. So, but my business wasn't, you know, we weren't technically at the beginning considered essential. And so I was going to lose everything, everything that we'd worked so hard for, struggled for, cried for, prayed for, bled for. I was going to lose it all. And, uh, One day I was sitting on my back porch, had a couple out loud conversations, which makes you look like a complete lunatic, I know, but um, my first conversation was with the enemy and, and he was just sitting there and telling me like how like I don't deserve any of this and you know, like that you should lose the business, that you know, you don't deserve any of this. And I was like, you know what, I'm done with you, get out of my life, just get off my porch, just get away from me, don't ever come back. And the next conversation I had was with Jesus, and I fully surrendered right there in the dark, all by myself, and I'm like, you know what? If you still want me, whatever happens with the business, with me and my husband being able to buy a home and come back here, you know, it's all, it's all you. Just, I'm stepping away, I'm gonna just get out of it now. And oh boy, did he deliver. I've been fully booked about four or five months in advance since then. I'm currently booked all the way through July right now. We were able to purchase a home off of the open market, and if you can believe that, that was only a year ago, and that's completely unrealistic for the time. Like, they didn't even put it on the market. This church prayed for that house for me, and we got it. In his mind, I never even seen the house. I didn't even see it. We just bought it. so ridiculous. (laughs) Even though there were some really great things happening in my life, some really horrible things also happened. Um, a childhood friend of mine committed suicide because she just couldn't step away from her depression and her demons. And that one took me uh, about a year before I could actually deal with that one emotionally. So I did another Sozo with Cody, and uh, I'm happy to say that I'm I'm more at peace with that now, and you know I can actually talk about her without crying. So that's nice. I spent the next month right after that, again, being under constant fire. Um, Another friend of ours passed away two weeks ago. And that one, I prayed really hard for that one, so that one hurt me a lot, you know? Like, I, I had full faith that God was gonna, that that kid was gonna get out of that bed and he was gonna walk out of that hospital. And I fully believed. And that was not what God hadn't planned. And so I turned from him because I thought, what, what is the point of this, what am I doing? Like, and so, like a child in an adolescence, I turned from him. And I couldn't pray, I couldn't listen to my Jesus music, like nothing, I just, I couldn't even talk to him because I was just, I was so upset. Again, boom, constant fire, constant fire. The business went all wonky and you know, everything just gets all crazy. My kid's cat got super sick and I thought he was going to die. Like, I'm just just constant fire. And how do I look at my kids, you know? And what, what do I say to them when they're, you know, loving little cats dying? And so I apologized on my way to the vet, you know, for acting like a toddler, being a brat. And I didn't get my way. You know, my way wasn't the way, though. I asked somebody, do you think that God feels bad not being able to answer your prayers. The uh, answer was very simple, but, you know, to the point. And it was, you know, when your kids ask you for something at the store, but, you know, it's not in your budget, and you have to say no, they get upset, and they cry, you know, but they just don't see the bigger picture. At that point, I didn't see the bigger picture, and I'm still struggling to see it now. (sighs) The point is that I'm trying to make before I bore you all to death is that the walk, never ends. There is no one defining moment, but a series of unfailing love that'll continue with you in your walk. The enemy is always there, beckoning you back to the darkness. The hope is, is so is God. His love is unbeatable. His strength is unwavering. His mercy knows no end. Take his hand, cling to his leg like a child if you must. But he'll see you through and you'll never be in the dark again. Thank you.
0: You know, um, Jessica mentioned Sozo. And so many of you might be like, what in the world is that, right? So um, sometimes we find ourselves in places where maybe we get stuck and we don't know how to pray. And, and Sozo is just a process where uh, I or somebody else would just help you talk to God. That's all it is. It's very simple. It's just helping you meet with Jesus and hand over the things that you know you need to, to hand over to Jesus, okay? So um, if that's something that, if you feel stuck today, if you feel stuck in something, and that every time you feel like you need to talk to God about it, you just don't know what to say or can't get those words out, would you reach out? And I, we would love, we would love to be able to help you meet with Jesus and to rid yourself of those things, right? Matthew, the book of Matthew says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, "'I will give you rest.'" And so if you feel that heavy burden in your life, but you just haven't been able to figure out how to find that rest, we would love, we would love to help you find that in Jesus, okay? All right, next we're gonna hear from Matt Jennings.
4: Thank you. I'm Matt, I'm the guy that hits that box. Um, I am insanely nervous um, I'm very shy uh, Naturally And this morning I, um, I had a lot of The enemy was really Digging in this morning And I finally had to tell him to go away And realize You know, God has something big this morning And uh, You know, talking about You know, the three stories that have already been shared I, I just feel like It's amazing what God does for us. And I share in a lot of the common themes that have been talked about in depression, anxiety, addiction, um, suicide. And I just want to say that you're not alone in anything you're going through. God obviously is so much bigger than anything you'll ever face, but he gave us the church, his body. We're part of something so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And the community that I have here at Village Church and in Red Rock has, has been a huge crutch for me, um, not in a bad way, a good way. You know, I'm wounded, I'm broken, and I need the people around me to carry me, and you have done that. And uh, I had all this stuff I want to talk about, now I'm like, oh, I want to talk about other stuff. Um, <laughs> God is so good, and He's just never stops working in me. I've been a Christian for about 20 years. I had a horrible, I was a horrible kid. Um, I had a fine upbringing, broken home, but I was a horrible person. Um, and I was, heading, I was heading to prison. I, you know, I was just like, that's where I was heading. And uh, Jesus got a hold of my life when I was 17, and, and he's done, I mean, miraculous things in me over and over again. And over 20 years, he's never stopped chasing me down. You know, Jessica said, if you'll still have me, He'll never not want you. He's going to pursue you until the day you die because of his love for you. And it just like blows me away that he would look at me in that way. That He gave me an identity in him that I'm a man of God because of him, not because of a righteous life that I live or being pious or, oh, I don't cuss as much as other people Um, I try okay but because of him because of his love for me and uh, a lot of you know know, I'm not too I'm not secretive about it most people know that you know my wife left seven months ago and uh, obviously sucks but you know through counseling and through sozo and through the church god has given me new life i always was just along for the ride i he told me three to five minutes he knew this was going to (laughs) happen You know, I was always along for the ride. Like, I'm just on cruise control. That's how I live my life. As long as I'm not homeless, everything's okay, right? You know, like, at that, I mean, honestly, like, I don't, I'm a very simple man. And, uh, you know, when the person who does pretty much everything in the house leaves, you got to figure it out. And through the grace of God, he's given me that. And the, the two things my counselor told me, is like, you need two things, and that's self-respect and self-efficacy the ability to move forward and make a life of your own as an individual. Because a person, another person cannot be your identity. It can only be found in Christ. And only Him, through Him, have I been able to find the ability to carry on and to raise my kids and to pay the bills and to start a business and just to exist to get through every day, I haven't cried about it in a while. So that's why I'm all, um, once in a while just hits. So, but God is so good that he took my life and already redeemed life. And he didn't, he, he said, that's not enough. Eternity. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. We get to spend eternity with Jesus, but he has so much more in store up until that point. He's never done with you. He's not done with me. He's so good. And I think of, I've been thinking about this morning, there was a man that, that died, and they threw him in the tomb of Elisha the prophet. And when that dead man hit the bones of Elisha, he came back to life. And I just think, how miraculous has my life been? That he just keeps bringing me back to life, giving me new life, new hope. He's so good. And I I just, I'm so glad Cody touched on it, but Sozo is not, you gotta do a Sozo. You, I mean, seriously, you have to go through that and just, Meet with Jesus. He wants to talk to you and show you healing. Every time I meet with him, it's been almost almost 10 years was my first healing prayer with Cody. I didn't hardly even know him, and I just wept like a child. And uh, I still meet with him, and he still meets me there where I am and, and changes me and molds me and reveals new things to me and gives me new life and new hope and new images that I can carry that are just so beautiful that only he could give me. You will get to the end of the, your life. We're all gonna get there. But how you get there is incredibly important. Don't waste it on cruise control. Jesus has so much more for you. I'm just gonna keep going, dude. If you I mean
0: I am stopping you.
2: I'm stopping you.
0: Ugh, I was crying back there with him, so He's so good. Our Jesus. Our Jesus. He is so good. And I love uh, that Matt touched on that, like, you know, Matt has experienced resurrection life in his life before, and he found himself back in a tomb. And in those moments, right, just as Lazarus had to be called out by Jesus, and Jesus spoke that name, right, Lazarus responded. So when we know that, again, Jesus called every single one of these names, called Katie's name, called Justin's name, called Jessica's name, called Matt's name, and he didn't just do it once, he's always calling He's always drawing us closer to Him. No matter where we find ourselves in life, even when the the bottom drops out of life and everything just seems lost and broken, even if we have a relationship with Jesus before that, right? Like, we still have an option to listen to His voice or listen to the enemy's voice, the world's voice, any other voice. We have that choice. And each... Each one of these, Katie, Justin, Jessica, and Matt, can share this story because of how they responded to Jesus calling their name. There is life when we respond. There is healing when we respond. That is the Savior that we serve. And and, and any one of them, I know, would say like they're not special in this. God is. They're not a special case, right? This, this same story can be replicated in anybody, right? Jesus can do this in your life, and he wants to do this in your life. It's just if you'll let him. It's just if you will let him. And so at the beginning, I asked you to close your eyes and just, and just acknowledge that Jesus is calling your name. And I'd ask you to do it again. Close your eyes, please, for me. What is Jesus calling your name? What is, what is he calling your name to bring you out of? What grave have you maybe found yourself in? What tomb, what darkness, what brokenness have you found yourself in that he is clearly calling you out of? Holy Spirit, say their names. Speak. Speak their names. And I would ask this morning that if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and that the owner of the voice that is calling your name is the savior of all mankind, is the resurrected Jesus, and if that voice is who you want in your life in fullness, if you want that voice to be lord of your life, would you stand? Even if you stood a million times before, would you stand? This is the Savior we serve. He is calling your name, whether it's for the first time this morning. And if this is the first time you have ever stood and received a, and, and just responded to the call of Jesus' name on your life, praise God. The angels are rejoicing. But I need you to know that all heaven rejoices even when we say, Again, Lord, again, again, I respond. Again, I give you my life. Again, I say thank you for calling my name. Thank you that you haven't forgotten me. Thank you that you haven't forgotten this name. What this name is attached to and the brokenness and the hurt that I have caused others and caused you, but you still call my name. He still calls your name, church. He still calls your name. He wants you desperately. He loves you fully. And he has life. For you. If you would just stand and receive. If you would just acknowledge that name. If you would just acknowledge it. That, that is what waits for us. Jesus, we thank you so much. We cannot thank you enough for the promise of new life, for the promise of resurrection in our own lives that no matter what grave, what brokenness, what heartache we find ourselves in, either caused by us or caused by others, you can set us free from. You can bring us out of because you're calling us into more. You're calling us into life. You're calling us into healing and freedom. Jesus, you are so good. You are so good. We acknowledge that you are calling our names. And Jesus, we just want to answer. And we want to say, we want you here. We want you in our hearts, in our lives, in fullness. We want everything that you have for us. We want you here. We want you here, Jesus we want you here. We love you. We're so grateful for the resurrection this morning. We're so grateful for resurrection power in our lives and that we can see that same resurrection power in the lives of those around us. You're so good. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.